BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, and welcome to another episode of She. It's just me today. I know I get to have some really fun guests. If you've been a listener for a while, you've probably gotten to hear from quite a few of them. But today I'm just going to chat with you probably 15, 20 minutes. I don't know, something like that. We'll keep it pretty short and sweet. But I want to discuss a topic that has come up quite a bit just in my messages and emails and things like that over the last several months as I've shared some of our family journey and our journey with, you know, pregnancy after loss and things like that, because I have quite a few women reach out and ask, like, how have you navigated pregnancy after so much loss? And how have you stayed positive and, you know, kept a even, you know, even mental state and things like that. And to be honest, my answer is kind of like, I have no idea, like, I'm just surviving it. But as I've kind of thought through those questions and and looked at like, what have I really done to get through this in a as healthy a way as possible? You know, I think there's always going to be fear. There's always going to be nerves. There's always like natural hesitancy when you've experienced trauma, when you've experienced things go wrong and you are keenly aware of how quickly something can change. It's hard to like forget about that. So I, I don't necessarily want to like give this idea that like, yeah, I just did X, Y, and Z and then I was, you know, totally fine. But at the same time, there are a few things that I think helped, especially early on, like navigate just through the the stressful, you know, feelings and the fears and all the things. And yeah. So anyway, I just thought I would address that in this episode, if that's relevant to you or relevant to someone you know and love, I think this will hopefully be a little bit encouraging and hopefully validating because I don't want to give any, like I said, indication that it was easy or that I just like, you know, had a perfect three-step plan and had no problems. Like it is normal and natural to be fearful. So all of that said, that's what we're going to cover in this episode. I pray that it blesses you and encourages you or is something you can pass along to someone that it would bless and encourage. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. So I am a little over 35 weeks at the time of recording this. And to be honest, it feels really scary to even record this before I like actually am at the end end of pregnancy, even though I'm pretty close to the end. Um, Just because, you know, I think there's still that like reality and that, that awareness, like this could still go wrong. Like I still have those fears. I still have a hesitancy. I've struggled to connect if I'm being honest, you know, given that this is my fourth pregnancy, I've technically been pregnant after loss. You know, we hear people talk about that three times now. And so I think, you know, when we hear about this idea of like pregnancy after loss, et cetera, we assume that that is the successful pregnancy, right? But two of my three pregnancies after losses 
still ended traumatically, still like ended in a loss. So naturally, like I just grew to expect that every time it's hard for me to like even picture it not ending that way, even being this far along and like feeling this child move all the time. Um, So it's made it really interesting navigating this pregnancy because the best way I can describe it is like each week that I would get further along, I was met with this like weird juxtaposition of both relief in some ways and fear in other ways, like even bigger fears because the relief came in the sense like, okay, I made it another week further. Like, you know, we're making it further along, et cetera. But then coupled with that was this like new fear of like, okay, but like a loss or something going wrong at this point would be even more traumatic or like even, you know, more intense on my body or whatever. So it was like simultaneously like a relief and a fear, you know, and I think the reality that I've kind of just come to realize is like every week, every single day, I just felt like I waited and I have waited for something to go wrong or I've like maybe not waited, but just like prepared a little bit. Like I still kind of feel a little bit in that fight or flight. And I think that that's only normal, you know, but I mean, there's so many things like even like the natural tendency when you've gone through miscarriage and loss, like to check every time you pee, like check to see if there's blood. Like that's still something that occasionally I catch myself doing. It got way better after like, 27 ish weeks, especially once I could feel movement and stuff, but like still, you know, you just kind of like, I don't know. It's like, you're constantly looking, you know, and kind of on guard, even if you have more peace than you did at the beginning. So anyway, like that's kind of the position I'm sharing this from, and it even feels scary to share it now. So I hope that like, maybe that helps you kind of feel more normal (laughs) in a way, because here I am like 35 coming, coming up on 36 weeks, like could have this baby anytime in the next few weeks. And like things probably be okay. But like, still, like from a logical standpoint, I can understand that. But from like an emotional, like past history standpoint, I'm like, watch, like I'll be the 1% of something that goes wrong. You know, it's so hard not to feel that way and to fear that when you have been in this, in the, you know, the minority statistic for a long time. You know what I mean? Like if, like I was talking to a friend about this, like when you hear, oh, there's a 97% chance things will be fine or there's only a 1% chance things will go wrong, but like you've been in the 3% of people who had things go wrong or the 1% of people who had things go wrong. Um, It doesn't really encourage you to hear that. You know what I mean? Like just because your chances are low, like, well, the chances of having multiple miscarriages in a row are actually pretty low. The chances of having, you know, complications from a DNC are pretty low, but like I've been in those categories. So it's hard to consider like, oh, I might actually not be in that statistic this time, you know? So Anyway, all of that said, I just share kind of like those thoughts, honestly, because I know there's so many people who are probably in a similar position in one way or another. And it's just scary, I think, in a way to be hopeful. Like I wrote this in my book, Embrace Your Almost. I don't know if you've read it, but also I apologize. I'm out of breath (laughs) at this point. I don't know if you can tell, but at this point in my pregnancy, I'm like, I can only talk so long. So anyway, but in my in my book, Embrace Your Almost, I talked about this idea of like hope feeling like denial, because when you have experienced loss, when you have experienced trauma, when you have experienced the worst case scenario in air quotes, it feels like almost silly to expect that the worst case scenario wouldn't happen again, because that's all you know, you know? And so this idea of like hope as much as we need that, it sometimes feel like if it can feel like when, when you've been faced with a really hard reality, it can feel like a denial of what's realistic. It can feel like a denial of reality, et cetera. So I think that's where it can be scary, you know, and you want to be hopeful, you want to be positive, you want to be all these things, but naturally your brain is like protecting you, you know, Um, like I I worked with a therapist for the last several years who specializes in fertility and perinatal loss and pregnancy and things like that. And she was teaching me a lot about like the actual brain science of how this works, because, you know, we want to just like 
be positive or whatever, but she was like, okay, there's a trauma center in your brain. And so like, if you got in a car accident, there's like, you know, and, and a red car hit you, like anytime you see a red car, it's not like unnatural to kind of like flinch a little bit. Right. Cause there's this trauma center in your brain that is not, it's how did she describe it? She was like, it's not something that you heal by like talking it out. That's where you like process things in your like frontal cortex and things like that. But in the trauma center of your brain, these like trauma memories, et cetera, are like held. And so you actually really actually work through that, like with your eyes. That's why I like, um, what do they call it? Like brain spotting, things like that can be really helpful, but it's like that part of your brain is really hard to reach and it's like storing traumatic memories. So anyway, like that helped me understand like, okay, it's not something wrong with me if I'm naturally like bracing or fearful or struggling with X, Y, Z, because there's a trauma center in my brain that's like trying to protect me, you know? So anyway, that was really helpful, but I want to give you kind of like a rundown of like, here's a handful of things that I feel like helped me not, I don't want to say like stay positive or like be great mentally or whatever. Cause there was totally days where I was just like, this is so hard. Um, but that have been helpful for just like navigating each day of a pregnancy that continued when I didn't expect it to, if that makes sense, especially after traumatic pregnancy experiences. So the first thing that I think was probably the most helpful, especially the first like 16 weeks was therapy, like meeting with my therapist the day I had an ultrasound and usually before an ultrasound, if we could fit it in. Sometimes it was just like on the phone or on Zoom, but she did something called movement integration with me because what I found is like, I was really, she was like, like get in tune with your body. Where are you feeling tension or where are you feeling stressed? And I was like, honestly, I just feel really like tight and bound up and like nervous. I'm just like expecting something bad to happen. And so anyway, she did something called movement integration which helped me just kind of like, it helped ground me, if that makes sense. Um, So if you're working with a therapist or considering working with a therapist, maybe ask about that because she kind of gave me like, it was like a three to five minute set of like, like putting your feet solid on the floor and then like um, crossing your leg. There were just certain things that she had me do and and breathing through it. And it was interesting because it would just bring me down from like a nine or 10 in terms of like anxiety and stress to like a five or six, like it didn't go away completely, but it just kind of helped ground me. It helped me like get present focus, et cetera, versus just like jumping to the next conclusion of like what could go wrong. So meeting with my therapist, especially before ultrasounds and before doctor visits, which had become very triggering and very like nerve wracking for me. Um, I wouldn't say it like took all nerves away, but it did help calm my nerves and calm like my nervous system, um, even just a little bit. And I think that helped quite a bit. So that was the first thing. Um, Another thing that I tried to do was just like process some of my thoughts, my Second, yeah, second pregnancy, which was the first pregnancy after my first loss, I did quite a bit of journaling and, you know, that helped when I was pregnant. It was something I kind of felt annoyed by when that pregnancy also went wrong. Like, I felt like I just wasted my time. I do think it was helpful. This pregnancy, I journaled and like kind of jotted down some thoughts and whatnot as I needed to, but I didn't have this like super strict schedule of doing it every single day. I really tried to operate with like freedom and not like get super fixated on like the day by day what was happening. Um, So some journaling and like some external processing can be really helpful. That's where meeting with my therapist was helpful. That's where, you know, writing some things down, but just not doing it in an overly structured way, because that's what I did my second time. I like every single morning I would get up and prayer journal and write out my prayers. And like, in some ways that was good, you know, and it can be helpful for some people. Um, But I think because I had such a rigid schedule, like I literally started to believe like if I miss a journaling day, like something will go wrong. And I didn't miss a single journaling day and something still went wrong. So it's like so easy to put these like things on yourself. And it's like, that's not, I don't know, that's not how it works. So freedom in that for sure. But that can be really helpful. Um, 
kind of in the same like topic or category as journaling and like processing. Something else that was really helpful was just connecting with other women who get it and who had been there. I had a few friends or like colleagues who had walked a similar road and just knew like the feelings, the thoughts that come up, the even like the expectations, like the really maybe unhealthy kind of morbid thoughts that you have when you've experienced something like this. Um, you know, if I were to share those with somebody who's never been there, they'd be like, oh, think positive. Like that sounds so negative, you know, but like sharing that with someone who's like, yeah, I get it. Like actually helped me feel normal. It helped me work through those feelings. It helped me kind of like just process that a little bit more. So if you don't know anyone personally, there's a ton of Facebook groups and like just like online groups that you can connect with other moms and other people who have experienced loss or similar, you know, things to you. And just like allowing yourself to reach out to them and say like, hey, did you feel this way at 20 weeks or did this happen to you? Or, you know, I'm feeling like X, Y, Z. Can you tell me if this is normal or if you experienced that? Like it just kind of helps you like feel allowed to process the real thoughts that you're having. And I think that's really important. And you can also do that with a therapist, but sometimes it's just helpful to talk with somebody who's been there, done there, you know, been there, done that gets it kind of thing. So that was really helpful. Um, Another thing that I think, and this, I don't know if this is like the right way to say it. But I think something else that kind of helped me get through, especially like the first half of pregnancy, was not forcing myself to try to connect with the baby any more than I naturally did. Like, you know, I think I like I even think about like when we found out I was pregnant, it was so the first three times I found out I was pregnant, the first time obviously was like, oh, my gosh. And I made this big deal about it. And we like told our families in special ways. And I told Matt in a special way. The second time, you know, Matt and I were still super excited. We thought like, oh, the first time was a fluke, whatever. So we were still like really excited. And I didn't tell him in as special of a way, but I still kind of surprised him. Then the third time it had taken us like almost two years to get pregnant again. So we like both just like cried. I like just jumped on. I was like, oh my gosh, this actually happened because we thought it would never happen again. So like the first three times there was like a lot of joy and excitement and like celebration for different reasons. Um, The fourth time, which was this time. I, I crawled into bed. I got a positive test. It was like in the morning and I crawled into bed and I just told Matt, I was like, Hey, um, I got a positive test. I just got a positive test. And his response was like, Oh, okay. Like, hmm. like we didn't, we just kind of sat there and that was kind of the energy, I guess that we kind of went into, especially the first half of it with like maybe even further than that, like just kind of this like, all right, well, we'll see, you know, um, not this like, oh my gosh, yay. And I think a lot of people who've experienced loss understand that, like just very, I wouldn't even call it cautious optimism. Like, I don't even think we were very optimistic. We were just kind of like, all right, well, (laughs) you know, and, um, that was kind of the, the approach we had for a, a large portion of the pregnancy. And even still, like I still have, you know, in some ways not connected maybe in the same way that I would had it been my first pregnancy and I never experienced trauma. But all of that said, like not forcing myself to try to do anything extra special. Like I decided not to do a gender reveal. And I think part of that was like, cause I did want, I do want to be surprised. Like that's part of it. But also like, if I'm honest, there's a part of me that's like, okay, I have no idea if I will ever have a pregnancy again or a healthy pregnancy again. So if I didn't, and this was the only time this ever happened, like, what would I want more? Would I want a surprise or would I want to have a gender reveal? And like, I think I was too afraid to have a gender reveal before like 30 weeks anyway. Um, So it felt like silly to do that. And I also like had that kind of negative slash morbid, but like really honest feeling of like, well, if this never happens for me again, like what do I want more to experience, you know? And we kind of got to do a little bit of a gender reveal, like very small with Noah. So for me, it was like, I want to experience a surprise now. But part of that decision, if I'm honest, was rooted in like the very keen awareness that like 
this may never happen again. I'm not sure I really want to like connect too much. Like there was a fear to connect uh, like early on, if that makes sense, or like do anything over the top. Like my friend wanted to throw me a shower a couple months earlier. And I was like, no, like the soonest I'd be comfortable with the shower would be like when I'm 35 weeks. <laughs> she was like, you know, or 34, like I want to be over 30 weeks basically. Um, so anyway, like, you know, it's just, I think giving myself the permission to just connect in the way that felt natural for me and not try to force it, not feel like I have to do more or I'm not connecting well enough or whatever. Like I just kind of was like, I'll connect when I connect and like, it will be what it is. And I think just giving myself that freedom and taking the pressure off was important and helpful, even though it's a small thing. So I'm just passing that on. Have you been wanting to make the switch to cleaner living and clean beauty, but feeling really overwhelmed on where to start and how to sift through all the different options out there? Friend, I get it. I have been there. When I first started my clean living journey, I was so overwhelmed and I was having such a hard time in one area in particular. I was having a really hard time finding beauty products that were clean, safe, toxin-free, but also really worked because the tricky part was I wanted to use clean products, but every time I would try clean makeup or clean shampoo or clean skincare, it just seemed like they didn't work as well as my old toxic favorites. And I found myself always wanting to go back to the more conventional stuff because it actually worked. My makeup stayed all day. My skincare was working well. So I was having a really hard time in this area until I discovered Crunchy. Crunchy is a high-performing, clean beauty brand that honestly performs just as well, if not better, than my old toxic favorites. Not only that, but they are eco-friendly, they're plastic positive, which means they take more plastic out of the environment than they put in, and they're also Leaping Bunny certified and cruelty-free as well as vegan. So if you've been looking for a clean option for makeup and skincare, for clean beauty, but you just need something that works well and that doesn't harm the environment and that doesn't harm animals... Crunchy is the place to be. I highly recommend starting with the primer and foundation when it comes to makeup or the cleansing bar and the Clarolite when it comes to the skincare. And if you use my link, you can get $10 off your first order. So just go to crunchy.com slash Jordan Dooley and the $10 off will apply on the last page of checkout to your first order. Or you can just tap the link in the show notes on this episode to shop with that link and get the $10 off applied to your first order. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next and I stayed on budget. 
Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Another thing, and this is kind of in tandem with what I just said, but I think another thing that really helped is just staying busy. Like, distracting myself in some ways. Like some of my other pregnancies, I was so focused on the pregnancy and everything I could do and prayer journaling every day, kind of like what I was sharing. And then when it like went sideways, it like literally just felt like such a waste of time. Like I felt, I felt so much like, I don't know, like what a waste, you know? And I don't think that was a waste. I think there was purpose in that, but at the time it just felt like, okay, I just got myself so connected and so bound up and felt so like, you know, rigid about trying to focus on this pregnancy but I didn't really live my life, you know? And so, and I was so stressed the whole time. So this time I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to try to stay as busy as I can. And it kind of worked out, like, especially even like naturally, like once Noah came into our life, I was pretty busy and pretty distracted. And I think that was actually what my mind needed. But even before that, like just, you know, doing things with friends and finding things that, you know, brought me joy and, like spending time with family and working on, you know, projects I wanted to work on and just like trying to keep my mind a little bit preoccupied because it's so easy to spiral. Anytime you begin to focus on it, you just spiral like I would anyway. And so there were definitely moments where I couldn't not focus on it, like right before an ultrasound or a doctor appointment or, you know, certain things like that. But in those like windows of time that I didn't have to focus on it, I tried to like distract myself with like a fun TV show or a project we were working on or an activity or a girl's night or a date night or something that just didn't require me to talk about it. And kind of to piggyback off that, I would say the last thing that was helpful or that has been helpful was really taking my time to share. Like we didn't tell 
even my own parents till I was like further in like any, any pregnancy in the past, like all three of my pregnancies prior, we always told family like within a week of finding out or a couple days of finding out. And this time we waited like quite a while and didn't tell friends, most of our friends for quite a while. Um, I wanted to be like, you know, further than the, pa- the point of my last loss um, and well past that point, like not two days past that point. And so we really didn't share with many people or really anybody. Um, and in some ways that was isolated. Like I told a couple of people I knew who like weren't necessarily in my direct circle of family and friends, but like women who I had connected with who had walked a similar road so that I had some women to like process things with or like ask questions to kind of like what I had mentioned, but I wasn't like telling my friends all about it. So when I would have girls, girls nights with them, or like we'd go on double dates, we weren't getting asked like, so how are you feeling? How's the pregnancy? What's the update? But like, I just wouldn't come up because no one even knew. And that actually really helped me because it felt like I could just be normal. I didn't have to like think about it, talk about it, share about it until I really felt like I was at a point where I couldn't mentally handle that. So just taking my time and sharing with family and friends, as well as like taking a long time to share publicly, like I didn't share until I was pretty much in my third trimester publicly. It just kind of almost helped me put it out of mind a little bit. Like in some ways I couldn't, cause I still like, I was on a protocol. I had to do like injections and certain things that like in the moment I had to think about. So I just had like reminders on my phone for those things. But in terms of like living life, I really just tried to live as normally as possible. Obviously that can be hard when you're like feeling nauseous and stuff, but just distracting myself as much as I could. And and again, that kind of goes in hand in hand with this idea of like not trying to force myself to connect, you know, um, and not like having the pressure of asking everyone or having everyone around me asking how things are going every five seconds, like by taking my time to share and not forcing myself to connect and staying busy, that kind of helped me just like move through it a little bit more um, rather rather than like fixate on it and like spiral all the time. There were absolutely moments where I would spiral or I'd get anxious or I'd have bad dreams or whatever. Um, but like in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's like maybe, I don't know if this is like good mental health advice, like I'm not a therapist, but for me, that was like, I think really critical. Like I almost just needed to pretend it wasn't happening until I had to think about it. And as much as I could just like focus on other things. And that at least helped me get through the first like 16 to 20 weeks when it just felt really delicate and scary and all of that. So I just, I want to share that honestly, because I've had so many people ask me like, how did you stay positive? How did you navigate this mentally? And I, I'm like, I don't think I have a really fancy answer. Like I distracted myself half the time. I tried to like not think about it. I, you know, yeah, I saw a therapist, like I talked with people like who had been through it. Like there were some things I did to kind of work through those things, but in so many ways, I just kind of like, I feel like in a way kind of lived in denial, which is hard when you're like feeling things and you're actively pregnant, but like just not forcing myself to, to share early, not forcing myself to connect if it didn't feel natural. Um, I kind of figured like, I'll connect with this baby when it's here, you know, if it comes like, and that felt like a big if, you know, and it still does sometimes. So anyway, that's, what's helped me. I think the most, um, kind of as like a, a just quick summary, you know, meeting with my therapist before doctor's appointments and ultrasounds, given that those were really triggering. And in those, you know, meetings and appointments with her, we would do a little bit of movement integration, which would just help ground me and kind of calm my nervous system from like being at a 10 in terms of anxiety and stress to like a five or six, maybe even a four sometimes. Um, Some journaling and just like kind of personal processing, but even more so like just I think what helped me more than journaling was connecting with a few other women who had similar experiences, who understood the fears, who understood the, you know, negative thought patterns or the things that would come up that I could like process through with them, not just with my therapist, because it's helpful to have both. Um, And then really kind of the last thing is kind of a three in one, like not trying to force myself to connect, 
staying busy so that I wasn't just sitting there spiraling all the time and, you know, taking my time and not forcing myself to share any earlier than I felt ready. Cause I just didn't want to be asked a lot of questions about it. I felt like I just needed to put it out of sight, out of mind as much as I could. And I think that's really what helped me get through some of the most stressful, you know, days and times of it all. So that was just how I approached it. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I think everybody has to do their own thing. But hopefully, you know, maybe you take something away from this. Maybe it just makes you feel a little bit more normal if you have a similar approach, if you're feeling afraid to connect or you are, you know, not wanting to tell family and friends yet. Because, I mean, a part of me didn't want to tell family and friends either because for three or four different times there was like, hey, we're having a baby. No, we're not. You know, and I was just like, I'm so sick of getting people excited. And I also want to be asked about this all the time. Like, I just need to, like, process this privately and, like, not, I don't know, be having to answer questions about it because it just makes me think about it all the time, you know. So, Anyway, um, maybe not like the world's best way to go about it, but this is kind of what helped me. And this is what I needed to do to kind of get through it. And I think ultimately the bottom line, and this is just like, you know, this isn't like a guide to like how to survive pregnancy after loss kind of thing. Like this is just, this is what worked for me. And ultimately my hope in it, even if you do none of these things is that you take away almost like permission to do what you need to do and to not feel like pressured or pushed or like you have to jump to anything. If you don't want to do a gender reveal, don't do one. If you don't want to do a baby shower, don't do it. Like there's nothing like requiring you to do these very like culturally normal things or to tell people or to, you know, do something extra special to connect or whatever. Like, you know, I didn't allow myself to do a maternity shoot till I was like, you know, like recently, like recently, recently. Um, and so, you know, and it's not because I felt like I wasn't allowed. It's just because I didn't really desire to until recently. And so I think just like kind of take it a day at a time, take it a week at a time and give yourself permission. Like a, f- a friend of mine gave me really good advice one time. She's like, when I was going through this, I just kept telling myself like, I will trust that I know or that I will trust that I will know what I need when I need it. And I think that's a really good like approach to take on anything that feels scary um, or anything that feels unknown or just, you know, overwhelming. So give yourself that same permission. Like, there's no right or wrong way to go about it. If you want a prayer journal every day, go for it. But if that feels like stressful for you, or like if you think you would be really mad if you spent the time doing that, because I think for me, when I spent the time doing all that and then things went wrong, I was kind of like, God, what the heck? Like I showed up and did my part. What What are you doing? And it kind of created this weird, like just picture of like me trying to like earn a healthy pregnancy or something. I don't know. It kind of messed with me spiritually. So that's why I didn't do it so like rigidly this time. And I think that was helpful because I ultimately came back to the reality of like, what's going to happen is going to happen. God has a plan and I can't like manipulate it or pray it a way, you know, pray it a certain way or journal it a certain way. And so that's not to say I didn't pray or like, you know, talk to God through my fears, but I think sometimes we can feel like if I just do X, Y, and Z, then it'll work. Right. And it's like, that's not how it works. And it's not in our, like in our control. So doing what you need to do to kind of just get through that, like scary part to get through the reality of like, this is outside of my hands. And I'm going to be honest and open. Like, I feel like my prayers this pregnancy have been more like, God, I'm afraid of this. And it could happen. And then I'm, you know, I'm asking you to protect me from X, Y, and Z from happening. But at the same time, I know it could. And I'm not here to like change your mind or whatever. But I just, I need to like process this out loud that I'm scared of this and I need your comfort. Like, it wasn't so much like, God, please make this work. Because for so long, I had prayed for an outcome. And then when I wouldn't get that outcome, I'd be mad at God and I'd feel like He ignored me. So I really had to start learning, like, how do I pray that He be with me regardless of the outcome? How do I pray, like, to learn to trust him regardless of what happens. How do I pray? Like, and, and that's scary because you don't want to pray that like, you, you want to just pray that things work out, right? I still, I still do. Like that's a natural human reaction, but I think it would almost 
messed with my faith and relationship with God more when I would pray very specific things. And then if it didn't happen that way, I felt like he betrayed me. Right. And I remember talking to a friend about this because I was like, you know, a lot of people will be like, well, God doesn't cause these things. The enemy does. Sometimes God allows them to happen, though. And I was like, yeah, but here's the thing. I don't get mad at the enemy because I don't have a relationship with the enemy. Like, me and Satan aren't pals. Like, I don't expect him to have my back. I expect him to mess things up. Like, when it comes to God, like, he's my father, my protector. I have this expectation that he'll protect me, you know? And sometimes when he, and in some ways it is a protection, but he allows you to go through hard things and you don't feel like you've been protected or you don't feel like you've, you know, like he's been sovereign over something. It can really mess up your view of like your relationship with him, you know? So it just became kind of complicated. And that's why I think I had to not have this like checkbox mentality going through this pregnancy. I had to be very like open-handed as much as I could, which was scary and hard, but it also felt like less, like I was putting less pressure on like what I did when it came to the pregnancy, if that makes sense. Like, cause it ultimately isn't up to that. So all that said, you know, it's not an easy thing to navigate mentally, emotionally, spiritually, et cetera. Um, especially when you have experienced previous heartbreak, trauma, et cetera. But I think if anything, you just have to kind of take it a day at a time. And everybody says that sounds so cliche, but it's true. Like you will know what you need when you need it. And if it's, if you need to tell somebody or you need to not tell somebody, or you need to distract yourself, or you need to sit there and like find a way to connect with this child, like whatever you need to do, that's what you have to do. But there is no like three-step plan to like navigating this with complete positivity and peace and like joy. Like, no, there's going to be days you're scared out of your mind. You know, there's going to be days that you like feel like you're on edge. There's going to be days where you are totally fine. Like it's just this really complicated thing. And the reality is you just have to kind of put your head down and get through it and do what you need when you need it. So hopefully that's encouraging and just know like whatever you need to do is okay and is normal, you know, and it is okay if it's hard and it's okay if you have doubts and it's normal if you're like bracing for impact. I still feel like I'm bracing for impact. I think we all feel that way in some way or another when we've experienced something like this. So this is just like a, this is what worked for me. But ultimately, this is your permission slip to do what you need to do, to distract yourself or not, to journal or not, to meet with a therapist or not, to tell somebody or not, you know, like do the things that bring you the most peace. You may not have total peace. You probably never will when you're when you're stressed and nervous, but do the thing that feels like it feels like the best thing where you're at, you know? So anyway, if you're going through this, if you are hopeful that you'll be pregnant after a loss, if you are currently maybe early on in a pregnancy after a loss or many losses, or if you know someone who's pregnant after a loss, like I hope this is encouraging for you, you know, or even helpful if you've never been through it yourself, but maybe your sister's going through it and you're like, you know, how do I support her? What does she need? Like maybe this just gives you a little insight of what it can feel like. And if anything, maybe this can be something you pass along if you think it might be helpful or encouraging for her just to know like, hey, you're normal. I mean, maybe I'm not normal. Maybe I'm like the crazy one, but I have a feeling we all kind of feel this way and have, you know, to navigate this in our own ways. And there's no like perfect right answer and it's not easy. But um, the the reality is like anybody going through this isn't alone. And sometimes it's just what we need to hear is like, you're not by yourself. Your feelings are normal and it's okay to do what you need to do. So that's just from my heart to yours. I just want to pass that along. It's something I think I needed to hear when I was six weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks, 11 weeks, like just really stressed um, and wondering like, am I doing this right? Should I be doing more? I don't know. I don't know what else to do. You know, <laughs> it's just like, there is no perfect answer. So I think whatever you need to do to get through it is totally okay. So all that said, I'm going to wrap up here, but thank you for listening. I pray that this is encouraging for you, or at least, you know, validating and maybe not even encouraging, just validating. Um, that whatever you're feeling or whatever someone you love might be feeling is okay and normal and you will get through it. And whatever happens is meant is what's meant to happen, you know, and we can't control it. So just soak it up as much as you can where you're at, but 
don't force yourself to do something that doesn't feel natural or, or good. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.